0: Log Talk Radio.
1: It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending,
2: a weekly mortgage market update providing up to the minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 716.
1: Now, here's your host of Licking on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. It is November 8th, 2021. And we're ready for another Lickin' on Lending podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere and uh many of you do as we are hearing so much we talk about timely information we've got nick blenke join us chief revenue officer for surefire at black knight recently acquired by black knight. So we're really looking forward to this interview i had a chance to get to know nick at the conference we sat down there for a while and uh it's a great story here and more than just a great story it's a great product great company and, um, you know, we're going to be talking about some of the trends. We're talking about some of the forecast declines and revenue in uh, refinance volume. What what are others doing? What are the strategies lenders can employ to have success in 2022? As we start looking forward, it's already November. We're starting to look to 2022. So Nick's going to give Sheriff some of that information. He's the chief revenue officer, so responsible for revenue. I think he's a good guy to go to. And obviously, Black Knight saw value in this company. They acquired the company, so... We're going to get into a good interview in the Hot topic segment. So stay tuned all the way through to that segment uh, at the second half of the podcast. Excited to be a part of the Industry Syndicate, industrysyndicate.com. Check out all of the um, podcasts that are there and as well as uh, listen to them. Check them out. A lot of great stuff in that podcast, and there's others out there that we encourage you to listen to. Podcasts are becoming a major thing. We talked about this while we listened to Malcolm Gladwell at uh, the conference, and how he re- was riding the subway and riding in and saw everyone that used to be reading papers now having their earbuds in and listening to something. What are you listening to? He asked, Well, I'm listening to a podcast. So he created a, a podcast, and it is taken off and does very well. So we, Alice and I, were forerunners. We were here at the very, very beginning. And uh, so uh, we're just thrilled to be here with you. I am binging on a new author and uh, speaker that I want to share with you real briefly. Sean Accor is his name. It's A-C-H-O-R. Google him. It's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Accor. And he has a book out there that is, uh, that I'm just, I, I'm just buying the book, but it's the big potential, big potential. And go on and download, listen to his TED talk. Listen to his interview uh, that he had with, Brene brown what Brene is one of my favorite people because she talks about shame and talks about how we got to get past moving past shame really good stuff you're going to enjoy the that material but i'm highlighting it so i've been binging on this uh on happiness and he's a scientist on happiness scientist. you go like what the heck is that well i listened to it um, bobby nicely said the uh, one of my clients and uh, one of the partners in El Coba Mortgage sent that over to me over the weekend, and man, I'm so glad he did. Having a great time talking and learning uh, more about the power of happiness, the power of how to unlock your full potential. And it says and the, the the big potential talks about transforming the pursuit of success raises your achievement, happiness, and well-being. It says most people say you know you got to be happy before you get successful in order to get there. Check it out. We've got links in the podcast. I'm enjoying it. love to get your feedback on it on that. So want spe- I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, uh, the Mortgage Bankers of Association of America. Be sure to listen to the podcast we did recently, and Mike Fratt and Tony. Also, the Finastra Fusion Mortgage Bot solution does a great job at helping lenders get to connecting and having a, creating a positive experience through their platform. Uh, with the consumer. We talked about uh, CX, U-N-U-X, uh, with Karen Jen- Jenkins on uh, October 4th. Go back and listen to that podcast, especially for those of you in the tech world. Got a lot of technology companies, people in the tech world, or inter-tech companies. In other words, you're a tech department tech company within your company. Love that concept. Or you're inventing new ideas. Check out what some of the things that Karen Jenkins is doing at Finastra and leading their organization into the thought leadership and the direction. So, Check it out. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these co-ops do a great job of connecting lenders with other lenders as well as vendors, and it's a more up-close and personal way to connect with your peers. Get updates on what's going on. Also, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, grateful for their sponsorship as well as Incelerate. Josh Friend does a great job of connecting lenders with their clients. He has a great powerful tool, CRM tool that he uses. It's an engagement platform. Check out incelerate.com and listen to the podcast from june 21st with josh friend also ken perry has a great product called knowledge group grateful for him he and i are also part of a mastermind group called 7a we were at the conference there i love the energy of this company and what the culture that ken is bringing um to he has brought to his company and also those that use his service also two other companies three other companies i want to bring your attention to (laughs) mobility mmi as well as modex both of these companies help you in the recruiting effort pick out and get a real data, real data, not inflated data, not embellished data that you hear from loan house. Okay. And salesman ever embellishing? No, never, never, never. Well, these tools will get you to help you find mobility. MMI and Modex helps you find the right person at the right time to connect with, to get on board. And then also SnapDoc. So thrilled to have them as a sponsor. we got a couple other new sponsors coming on. I'm excited with Bob but Amy and the group at, Snapdocs is just outstanding. We had a recent interview uh, with Bashal uh, uh, there, and I just encourage you to download and listen to that. Snapdocs is one of the up and coming companies. One of the up and coming companies. Say that real fast, as I did. It caught my teeth. But anyway, pay attention to Snapdocs and uh, check out what they're doing. Also, finally, a special thank you goes to Rob Les, Alice Allen, and now Jack Nunnery is becoming a co host with me on the podcast. So it's so good to have you all here. We're going to get into the podcast now with the MBA Mortgage Minute with our update from Rob Van Raphorst. Rob. <laughs>
0: Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapport. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, the FOMC of the Federal Reserve announced its plans to begin tapering its purchases of Treasury securities and agency MBS. The Fed had been increasing its holdings of both by $80 billion and $40 billion, respectively. But beginning this month, it will reduce these purchases each month by $10 billion and $5 billion. If the Fed were to continue on this path, it would cease adding to the size of its portfolio by mid-2022. These actions were anticipated in MBA's latest forecast, which projects that 30-year mortgage rates will increase to about 4% by the end of 2022. And according to MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey, the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased to 2.06%, with an estimated 1 million homeowners currently in forbearance plans. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me.
1: Good job, Rob. Although it sounded like you recorded that in the men's room there, so i a little bit of that <laughs> I'm sure I'll hear about that. Zach Nunnery, so good to have you joining me in with me on this podcast. I appreciate it. You're going to be here now regularly. I'm so thrilled about that. Yeah, well, we're going to get into it. all the other exciting things we have. Jack's going to be joining me in the commentary. Anyway, but Jack, I just want to say it's so good to have you here. We've got Les Parker here. By the way, sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app and get to become a member of the MBA. if you're not. They do such an amazing job what we're doing, what they're doing for our industry. I just uh, – the whole team, Bob Brooksmith, Marsha Davies, um, the, this, the whole leadership team, all of them there uh, does such an outstanding job. Um, Pete Mills there with the Independent Mortgage Bankers uh, Initiative. There's just so much going on with the NBA. If you're not a member, become a member, and if, and also download the Mortgage Action Alliance app. I want to make sure that's unpunctuated out there. You can find it in the App Store. Have your voice heard on DC by that app. All right, let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and a macro view of the markets and see what Les has for a music parody. Here we go. Les. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging
2: easy. Try bye bye, duh. Bye bye, bye, bye bye,
3: peacefulness. Bye Hello, rowdiness. MBS going to cry. cry. Bye, 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 bye bye, the Fed buying. As expected, it will reduce its purchase of Treasuries by 10 billion and mortgage-backed securities by 5 billion. The news: increased rates and volatility. Then came Friday, with China's real estate bond default problems and signs of it impacting the cost and availability of credit in other Asian countries. So, gold and treasury prices rose. Watch the bulls take control of the bond. While mortgages enjoy the drama, hello, rowdiness, rates feel (laughs) like they're going to die. Bye-bye, Fed Dove. goodbye. These views are my own. Find a goodbye at TMSpotlight.com.
1: Hey, Alice, was that the Everly Brothers? I think so. I love that. That's music from our era, Alice. I love that. Wasn't that the Everly Brothers? Jack, Alice, help me here.
4: Maybe I gotta. I think it sounded like them.
1: I have to double check. I love I'm gonna that. pretend I'm
4: not that old to remember. <laughs> yeah. Why are you
1: asking me? I'm not that old. I look like it? I'm not that old. No, no, <laughs> <really bad. laughs> I love it. That is a great song. Good job, Les Parker, Gary Cantrill teaming up on that. That was uh, that's music from my era. So yeah. Bye bye. So Matt Graham is here to give us his perspective on what's happening this week, Matt. That song David. is just one of my favorites. Yes, so good to have you. I'm sorry I harassed you in your absence in your absence last week about being your of the podcast here a little. We've got an update from Matt Graham, but anyway, you always add extra energy. Good to have you
5: here, bud. What's up? Great to be here, Dave. Things are going to change today on the energy front. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> you did go have a couple of expressos or a red bull. Didn't you?
5: <laughs> I'm just oh, I'm going to overcorrect. Danger. The pendulum is going to swing we back past it. the midpoint.
1: We love that, Graham, as you are. All right, here we are.
5: So let's talk about the market. Crazy stuff. Um, And a few additional uh, tidbits that uh, Les didn't mention that I had a little bit of a different take, not an opposite take, just extra stuff that was going on. But we'll get to that in a second. So, yes, the big news last week. uh, Actually, it wasn't news, but the Fed tapering uh, asset purchases. We knew that was coming. We knew it was likely to be $10 billion Treasuries, $5 billion MBS. At first, there was a little bit of confusion and a little bit of a negative reaction in the bond market because a couple of the news wires made it seem like the tapering amount was bigger than expected. Uh, but when we looked a little bit closer, we could see that was only due to the fact that they were implementing it right away and saying that the first reduction would occur by the middle of November, next reduction by the middle of December. And so some of the headlines talked about a 20 billion uh, a month reduction in treasuries, but it was a reference to where it would be at the end of uh, 2021. So two consecutive months of 10 billion reductions equals 20 billion. Mm -hmm. Translation, no big deal. Bonds weren't freaked out. There really wasn't even a huge reaction in terms of volume or volatility. 10-year uh, yields rose a little bit, MBS fell a little bit, but uh, in essence, the bigger mover of the day ended up being the ISM non-manufacturing yeah. report at, at 10 a.m., and we can see that pushing yields up very clearly at 10 a.m. That was a record number for ISM services, The you know, for people that are saying, oh, the economy is terrible, well, n- not every piece of data agrees with that, right. and uh, I'm – I'm not here to cheerlead for the economy, on the other hand, but it's, you know, just something to balance to the it. outlook. No, that's a so really report good on it. Just yeah, the fact, report, Dave. Just the just fact. fact. <laughs> uh, so – And a notable one was, that was.
1: Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah.
5: It was a notable one. Um, and the other notable thing that we talked about last week is that bonds had rallied in the past after the Fed had tapered. It did take a few weeks in 2013, but it was nonetheless interesting. In fact, bonds have rallied every time the Fed has stopped buying bonds uh, or announced a, that they're stopping buying bonds. And so we were wondering, you know, did the market sell off enough between this announcement and the, I don't know, year, year and a half leading up to it? Because really the liftoff process began in August, 2020. So uh, quite a lot of time has passed and the answer seems to have been yes. The market sold off enough that this could be taken in stride and in fact thursday morning we were greeted with a big rally in the bond market which was big enough uh, to sort of be a little bit surprising to some and uh, people started a scramble to try to explain what this was all about and i think that even the savviest market watchers saying things like we're not entirely sure what's going on here but Seems like it has to do with the Bank of England uh, because the Bank of England is out with their announcement on Thursday morning. There was definitely uncertainty as to how they were going to play things, and they ended up taking a slightly more dovish, aka rate friendly approach. And the market movement on Thursday morning coincided very well with that announcement and with their press conference. Several speakers from the BOE made comments that could be construed as fairly dovish, saying things like, Uh, Yeah, we do have inflation in the short term, but uh, we expect that to go away when supply constraints go away. And we also are cognizant of the fact that it is supply driven, not demand driven. uh, And there's uncertainty about how that's going to play out. But at the same time, we know we have a pandemic and uh, we know COVID numbers are really bad in the UK. So we're going to err on the side of caution and accommodation. Bond markets like that, uh, for those that aren't you know, looking at this correlation every morning, like I am, there's a ton of correlation between UK 10-year yields and US 10-year yields. Same thing with German uh, 10-year yields, which is effectively the EU 10-year, because Germany is by far and away the biggest economy in the EU. And uh, when there is that much uh, momentum in the UK, then it's going to spill over to US 10-year yields to some extent, US bond market in general. And it did. Uh, Thursday, just sort of got us back in line with the low yields of the week. But then Friday, we had the jobs report. The jobs report was strong, stronger than expected, positive revisions to the previous month. Uh, Some naysayers were pointing to the fact that the labor force didn't pick up as much as they thought it should be for people coming back into the workforce. But nonetheless, I mean, it was a strong report. And bonds did not rally um, because of some read of the internal components of that data rather bonds rallied on Friday because the jobs report didn't really compel them to sell off. And the bank of England was back again with additional speakers offering additional clarification and dovish comments on the previous day's decision. And, uh, it caused a rally, a big rally in UK yields big enough to put downward pressure on us yields. And that's when the magic happened because, uh, the, The market is very, very short, meaning traders are positioned for yields moving higher. They're betting on yields moving higher. They're short selling the bond market. And at a certain point, if something were to come along and unexpectedly push yields lower, push prices higher, it forces them to cover their short positions. And they do that by buying bonds. And that in turn pushes yields lower, forces the next- short position to cover, and it's a bit of a snowball effect, otherwise known as a short squeeze that can sort of flush out all of the negative momentum in the market and uh, make for a little bit of a reset. And with yields moving a bit higher this morning, we may have, that may have run its course, but it was impressive and much larger than expected on Friday with yields dropping all the way down into the 1.4s. 1.43-ish yes. at the lows, and even now just a hair under 1.5. So a really impressive rally and uh, an unexpected rally on a week with a strong jobs report and with the Fed announcing tapering. But like we always say, if you have a bunch of money to bet on the bond market and you can reasonably predict something is going to happen, and we knew with you know as close to 100% certainty as you could have that the Fed was going to taper, Then you price these things in ahead of time, maybe with a little bit of overrun. And uh, in that sense, it's not a surprise to see markets go where more current and less predictable events take them. And that's what the Bank of England did last week. This week is a little bit more of a wild card. We have a condensed treasury auction cycle. In fact, while we were waiting to start the podcast today, the three-year treasury auction came in weaker than expected and pushed yields up a little bit. Tomorrow is a 10-year, following day is a 30-year. Those are typically important for momentum in the short term and no reason to expect that they won't be this time around if they fall outside of their uh, forecast or average ranges. CPI Wednesday morning, uh, yeah, we're tuned into inflation data, but it has to be kind of far from expectations to move the needle. Other than that, uh, Veterans Day on Thursday, so that's going to – kind of mute the tone of trading on Wednesday afternoon and probably make Friday uh, a relative ghost town in terms of trader participation. It's not to say there won't be market activity. It just won't necessarily be indicative of uh, a fully liquid market. So we can't necessarily read too much into any potentially interesting movements or apparently interesting movements because they might not end up being that interesting by the following week. Oh, and then last but not least, Dave, just because I know people may be wondering, infrastructure deal passed over the weekend. Uh, I've gotten a lot of questions on MBS lot as to whether or not that is a market mover for the bond market. And the general response is that it used to be when it was a, a new idea, and we're pretty numb to it at this point. And it really didn't have any impact over the weekend, no uh, immediate jump in futures in early overnight trading. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, we're just... We're numb to it. Yeah. It's, it's,
1: a, it's, <laughs> it, it's the house that passed it. We don't, it still has to get through the Senate. So, uh, we'll see what happens and then where that's at, but lots of good stuff. Um, I love your website. I'm I'm looking at here and looking at some of the comments. <laughs> People commenting about the time zone change. One of them was in here talking about, Yeah, my kids are up early, driving me crazy, a little mm-hmm. monsters. And some of the it'd be mean, just the, the commentary that's going in here. Bounce please, Timothy Barrett's Go, bounce, please. Hear the play, please in here. So I mean there's great information. You've got the live news stream. You don't have to have the TVs on. You just click on this. I have one screen on it sits. Anyone who's dialed in and had a conference call a Zoom call with me, they see this in the background. It's MBF5. It's all was here and it's because i can whirl around and look exactly what's going on in a real time good job i love what you do um sorry for giving you a bad time about you boys you got brought some great energy today yeah i think there's i think that's when you do it when you pre-record it it's uh anyway but we love you Matt, <laughs> and you our audience loves you bud. everybody's
5: so. sleeping in my house when i pre-record it oh, <laughs> oh
1: no that's what it is so you don't want to wake up again yeah someone scare
5: you anyway appreciate uh-huh. you matt
1: you're doing a great job and appreciate more than anything else uh but also making your product available of our trial on an extended basis without a credit card by putting in the code LOL for Lickin' on Lending. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
5: You got it. Have a great rest of your week, Dave. You too, sir. Appreciate you.
1: Alice Alvey is here. She's CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. And uh, she's got this week's legislative update. Hey, Alice, you remember where we first met? You remember? I Yes, the te- that Texas Mortgage Bankers event. That's right. We my, my old partners uh, Andy and Chuck, We put on an event. At, uh, this was when I was with uh, partnered in at MBS Mortgage Banking Solutions, and we did the event up in Dallas. And I'm speaking next week. I'm going to be up there, back at that same spot. Brought back memories of us. And they said, "Oh, the MBA. We got the MBA to co sponsor." And we said, "Jack, you're going to love this." They said, "But in order for us to sponsor it, you need to have this." gal speak and i said what's it on and he said compliance and i go oh shoot me <laughs> in my head i you're we're wanting to draw people to this conf, to this uh, to this event and, geez, and they said oh you haven't met alice have you and i go nope nope listen to you from the first time you start speaking and we've been friends ever since and uh good friends good friends so anyway alice what you got for us friend
4: yeah, that was a funny day. I remember that. And I think the audience was kind of apprehensive too about talking compliance. But yeah, you got to make it fun, right? It's uh you do. I always say compliance is easy. It's just customer service. It's not rocket science. So, mm-hmm. um but I that is a little bit along the lines of what I was going to talk about today. So, there's been a little more press and a lot of buzz about the fact that New York has now signed uh as a state law that non-banks have to, you know, independent mortgage bankers essentially need to comply with Community Reinvestment Act laws. Mm -hmm. And this has always been something that's been, I think, as a lender, very difficult to wrap your heads around because you go, I thought CRA was about the fact that a bank takes money from a community and therefore therefore should be reinvesting back into Mm -hmm. the community that that it is taking deposits from. That was really one of the original premises for this law, among other things. By um, so when you say how do I pick that up? Yeah, how do I pick that up and apply it to a lender who does not take deposits? What's starting to become the model is the state of Massachusetts has actually had this for decades. They have had a CRA requirement that applied to non-banks. Um, so there's there's two groups that are really struggling with it. it's not only the, uh, us as independent mortgage bankers, but it's also credit unions. There's a group of smaller credit unions that also struggle with com- this level of compliance and scrutiny because it takes money. It takes an investment uh, to be able to look at what products do I have to offer, uh, what what extra activities do I have to be involved in, and how do I measure this if I'm not a depository or, like in a credit union case, I, I have a specific member base and that's who I'm supposed to be serving. Um, you know, am I measured against that base for – being able to contribute back into community so there's a lot of complexity with this Uh, for those of you who haven't had a chance to check out how some of this might work it is time as an independent mortgage banker to pay attention to it Uh, you can take a look at the way Massachusetts structures it Uh, Illinois has signed a law also but they have not codified all the rules and how it's going to be executed So really, our best example is looking at how some of the examinations have gone for the state of Massachusetts and how some of those peer comparisons have been drawn. Um, So they they use a rating system. They look at, you know, the products that you're offering. Are they um, going to be assisting low to moderate income borrowers? If you're a servicer, they look at how you're assisting borrowers who are struggling with payments and as they get into that loss mitigation phase. There are several components to it that require as a lender that I'm making an effort to offer products and support my borrowers in servicing who are in that low to moderate income range. I think we're as an industry, we have to try and figure out how to embrace this. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I see it like the SAFE Act at this point. When you get a big That's state like New York that buys in uh, with the SAFE Act, you know, once we started hitting three and four states that were implementing loan officer licensing, it got rapid trajectory from there uh, before it became federal law. So you might as well take a look at, you know, how would we address this? How would we look today if we were measured? And I think make sure as an industry we get all behind it on how we are, what at what level are we okay with this? Because if we say we're not okay at at any of it, uh, I think we lose. You know, that's the power of negotiation. I have to try and figure out, well, maybe we're starting at I don't want any in hopes that we only get, uh, you know, one baby step in. Uh, larger institutions, I understand, uh, you know, the top five, top mega lenders that are out there. Uh, it makes sense that what we make sure that there isn't any discriminatory or practices that put up barriers. Uh, but for the smaller companies, there should be an exemption line, in my humble opinion, uh, because it is difficult to try and put all the resources together to comply. At the end of the day, we all have an obligation to make sure we're not putting up barriers and that we can do on a daily basis to take all the applications we can, right? That's what we keep saying about independent mortgage bankers. Hey, we never, we never turn away an applicant. <laughs> so uh, we want every deal we can out there. Um, so that's just my two cents, Dave, as lenders have to start thinking about this a little bit more. Don't look at it as just one more state on the list. Uh, there does seem to be something that is uh, going to start brewing at uh, state by state levels,
1: and we should be paying attention to it. Yep, I think you brought up a good point. A number of uh, earlier this year, you were saying the shift is going from the CFPB on a national basis to the to local CFPBs, I mean the or equivalents, inside of each of the states, and the regulatory shift has gone to state, which is making this thing so much more complicated, Alice. Uh, from that standpoint is how do you, I mean, one thing is to monitor CFPB, look what's going on. They certainly haven't gone away. There's action being taken, but uh, more, more tensions and focus needs to be put at the state. You raise up a great point. Good job. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here all these years and stay, be here. Dang, say hi to Andy, your husband. Appreciate you. And have you participate in the hot topic segment? Thank you so much. Let's get over to Alan Pollock with the tech update. Alan, good to have you here with this week's tech update. What's going on? What? Alex?
2: Oh, a little bit of everything. I was trying That's to figure where, last out. Week, we last week have we a heard Rupert. Yeah,
1: last week we heard yeah, Rupert. Man, we have
2: so much stuff this week going on. Yeah. So, we're going to so, talk about health checks. But not right? not the kind that the government is asking us to have. I'm talking about security health checks. We're going to talk about that in a minute.
6: <laughs> but first
2: David, because I always bring information about <laughs> restaurants and all the robots that work those restaurants. You didn't know, but now you do, that McDonald's has been testing out a fully robotic ordering system that uses voice and IBM Watson. Actually, IBM acquired McDonald's Labs, but they're 85% accurate. And I chuckled when I read it because that's probably a high level of accuracy based on how often you go to a drive-thru and your order wrong. But that's just my own opinion. So let's move ahead. This is really cool, David. The Cheesecake Factory, get this. You thought the mortgage industry was complex? I'm going to make everybody leave this podcast, say, with nothing but excitement of how simple the mortgage industry is. The Cheesecake Factory has a 500-page employee training manual. It has an entire page about how to handle strawberries, 12 steps on hot tea service, and get this, 42 words to use when describing a cheesecake. And the complexity extends because they have 170 workers in every single location, it's a 21-page menu. In addition, yeah, so During the pandemic, Cheese yeah. During the pandemic, they had an absolutely crazy—you know—they they almost lost the business, and they said it was saved by cheesecakes. So it's a, it's a great article. Yeah, or you could just Google yeah. it, check it out. But if you thought our industry was complex, imagine trying to manage or work more or make cheesecakes for the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, good point. So, yeah. W- yeah so David, Maybe with the- Veterans Day on its way, that kind of rhymes. Um, Fairway Mortgage, uh, Fairway Independent Mortgage, I should say, they're going to deliver 100 service dogs to vets. And I thought this story is so, just so awesome. Um, they have an initiative. It's called the American Warrior Initiative. And uh, they are on track to deliver a record 100 service dogs to deserving military service members. So hats off to you, uh, Fairway. Um, in addition, by the way, in addition, by the way, in 2021, this year, David, they have already delivered 65 service dogs, and they've also partnered with the Milwaukee Brewers to donate um, service dogs to U.S. Army veterans uh, and such. So, great thing there. By the way, I personally give to the Wounded Warrior Foundation.
5: Yeah, we they're here in
2: Jacksonville, and they do a ton of stuff. And my daughter, for her senior project, um, one of the things she had to do to get the, for part of her college applications is she actually became a, um, a student advocate. And she's also raising money for the Wood Warrior Foundation. So there's a lot of amazing places you can help raise money or yeah. donate money. You should check it out. It's a great, it's a great uh, remembrance that we have coming up this week. And for anyone that you know is in our path, thank you yeah, for uh, for your service. Yes. So yeah, let's let's so uh, move on. Would you use this, David, if you worked at a lender, and you operationally would you use a voice-activated appraisal management system? Absolutely. You would. Okay. So you would say, using Alexa, hey, Alexa, I would like to understand where the appraisal for the Johnson file is. Or, hey, Alexa, I would like to place an order, an appraisal, please, with ABC Companies or Mr. Johnson. You
1: would do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll do it. Now. All right. Okay.
2: Well, all right. Well, my Evo—it's <laughs> a voice-activated appraisal management system just recently um, just recently released in the industry. Uh, Global DMS uh, has the technology. Um, if you haven't heard about it, the press release I think just came out. Uh, so check it out. It's called My Evo. I personally, David, don't know if I would use Alexa uh, in the office, uh, but now that we all work from home, I mean, hey, Alexa's there. Might as well use it. So yeah. just the fact that it's voice recognition is the big deal here, not that it's on Alexa. It's awesome technology. Check it out, uh, Global DMS. David, this is the big topic I want to talk about today, and I bet you Jack is going to nod his head after I say this. The question is, do you need a CISO? Okay? For those of you that don't know, it's the chief information and security officer. And the answer is absolutely 1,000%. Sure. Yes. yes, you must have this person. Their job, by the way, they're not the CIO, they're not the CTO, they're not your VP of technology. The CISO's job is to oversee a team and all of the risks facing your enterprise and put the necessary controls and security technologies and processes and assurances in place to minimize all of the risks to your organization. And they are empowered to manage that. Now, what's really interesting is you work with a lot of vendors. If you're a lender listening to this or if you're a vendor talking with many lenders or other vendors, this is extremely important. I'm going to start first from the lender side. For all of our listeners that are lenders, you must do a health check. This is what I'm referring to a lot earlier with your policies and procedures and your vendors. They have to go through SOC audits. They have to go through penetration tests, and they have to get those updated and renewed and they have to test those controls, please make sure you reach out to your vendors and you make sure that they are providing you with an update. Now, as vendors, right, we're all very diligent. We have to do this to close more deals and to sell to banks and credit unions. So we have it. It's not that you're going to find an open hole and say to a vendor, I can't believe you don't have this. No, it's you need that updated information for your CISO. And what you need to do, by the way, is you need a plan. Should there be any type of data issue that occurs with any of your vendors? What is your plan on how you're going to handle that information? Do you call your insurance company first? Do you call a forensic auditor? Do you contact borrowers? What are the state laws on when you contact borrowers and you don't? There's a lot of gray areas you need to work through. A CISO will put your plan in place. So, David, we'll leave it there today. We'll talk about the CISO role on the vendor side next week. But I can't wait for the second half of the podcast yeah. today. Thank you, everyone, for being our listeners. And if you know how to get all the meat we're I'll just talk yep. about my contact info. It's alan, A-L-L-E-N, at T-M-S-hyphen-advisors.com.
1: Yes. And, Alan, thank you so much. Great feedback. Uh, I still get comments about what was the one about the cow, caca, that you were talking about? <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah uh,
2: artificial intelligence. Yeah, and being able to um, have cows go to the bathroom on demand.
1: Yeah, that, that cracked me up. I was, uh, someone was texting me over the weekend. Hey, listen, did Alan really bring that up? And uh, so anyway, you bring up some of the most extemporaneous stuff. Sometimes it's just uh, out there, and uh, we appreciate it. People comment on it. So, like, you?
2: you do by what the you way, to- David, yeah. one, one last quick thing. You know, I was going through, because for every single podcast we do, maybe I missed one in my time. Um, I All my notes for each show is written down, um, you know, and I prepare them ahead of time. So I went to my very, very, very first radio was, program, and it was um, it was um, October second, two thousand and seventeen, and I talked about wow. blockchain and user interface design.
1: Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, you're it's timely back then, could be timely even today. So appreciate you, Alan. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it so much. Thank you. Hey, Jack. Jack, as you look over to the first half of the podcast here real quickly, any uh, reflection and thoughts here,
3: co-host here? I'm so excited to have you as a co-host. Yeah, I've got a couple, David. I've got a couple. Uh, you know, when we go to uh, back to Matt's commentary, yeah. uh, you know, one of the things that I've been focusing on is, uh, you know, keeping uh, my ear to the ground with the commentary that's coming out of the various folk at the bed about yeah. uh when they believe uh you know we're going to see the next interest rate hikes uh and and uh you know what I'm what I'm you know hearing is is that really nothing's going to happen uh in terms of interest rate hikes until we get through the tapering uh and and then we're looking at one to possibly two hikes uh mm-hmm. in the second half of of 2022 um in fact, uh, the St. Louis Fed president, uh, James Bullard, um, uh, you know, made a comment that uh, he expects the central bank to um, raise interest rates twice in, in 2022. So, uh, you know, that's just one thing that, you know, uh, I'm focused on is, is, you know, what is the chatter coming out of the Fed? Um, and then, you know, what uh, Alan was talking about, of course, he was correct. I was nodding my head in agreement with him about uh, cybersecurity. Uh, you, know, you Kind of interesting, uh, David. Uh, I was talking to my son. Uh, 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 you know, he's got more degrees than a thermometer, and he was telling me he was going back for yet, you know, a third degree. And you know, I kind of gave him one of those. Oh, you just, you know, um, um, you know, can't. You know, uh, I mean, you've got to be kidding, right? And he said, no, no. He said, but I'm going to get my degree in cybersecurity. And ah. I thought, oh, you finally, you finally, finally. hit something that made with me. And yeah. you know, to, to you know, Alan's comment, If you peel it back a little bit, you know, some of the thresholds for disclosure to consumers. Vary so greatly from state to state, and you really got to have somebody sitting on top of that, uh, David and, and, and Alan, uh, you know, because you know there is a very uh, high level of complexity around these thresholds. I mean, forget for a moment, you know, the action plan, you know, that when you have a breach or a vendor that it, you know has a breach that you're associated with, what do you do next? You know, just Staying on top of, of the different oh, thresholds, yeah. you know, state, state to state on, on you know, when you have to disclose to consumers that a breach has taken place. So I thought yeah. that was a really nice way to finish up by Alan. Yeah, Although I am interested at in 85%, uh, uh, you know, getting my order right going through the drive through because <laughs> really I, I think it's 50-50 right now, Alan. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I, I
2: would agree, Jack. Yes. You have to check your order before you pull away or, or that's it. You've got whatever you got.
3: Yeah. 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 And
1: you started off, Alan, talking about, you know, ask uh, ask Alexa, would you feel comfortable doing that? Well, Union Home has absolutely crushed it because they don't ask Alexa. They ask Alice. They have a system. That's Voice Commanded, and it's Ask Alice. They recorded – Alice. this is a great story we need to go into sometime and in technology, what they've done at Union Home. And Alice said, please don't call it Ask Alice. It's a system where it's a voice-actuated system. I think that's going to be something of the future. Alice, that was such a cool thing. So glad that Bill and uh, uh, the team there honored you by that. with that. That's such a cool piece of technology. Is that being used a lot, Alice?
4: So, Dave, I just want to clarify, it's not voice activated yet, but cool. yes, we have an average of 10,000 questions asked per month. Um, so if you think it's of 10,000, all much those much questions much. would have been going to your underwriters, your loan officer, yeah. or your branch managers. And uh, so, yeah, we're really proud of the system that we've built. It's uh, it's super cool, super high tech. Hey, yeah.
2: Alice, sorry to interrupt. Ha- have your team reach out to me or if you want to connect. I have a really cool idea. I'd love to share with you guys if you want to move forward with it, and um, all the all the merrier. Um, for I love it,
1: Alan, uh, yeah. Ask Alice. That's good. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I I'm love it. Making that. a note. Making a you, note, <laughs> Folks, that wraps up the first part of the top uh, the the podcast. That's our lenders update. It's so good to have you with us for the first part. For those of you listening live, stay right here. We're going to move right into the hot topic segment. And uh, for those listening on a download basis, let's just uh, just go on to the next podcast because that's what we're moving to. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Lickin' on Lending Hot Topics segment. We're going to be uh, talking with Nick Lenke, uh, Chief Revenue Officer for Surefire, recently acquired by Black Knight. Always interested when industry leaders like Black Knight acquire a company. What's their thinking? What's going on? And uh, I love what, they're, 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 what they do. There's a successful company, one that should be continued to be paid uh, close attention to. So always pay attention to the acquisitions they make. They're doing very strategic ones and very good ones. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking with Nick about forecasted decline in refinance volume and what marketing strategies the lender can employ to succeed in 2022. Nick, so good to have you be a part of the podcast today. Welcome, my friend. Appreciate you.
6: Hey, David, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Appreciate the, appreciate the opportunity, and, and, I can't, and I can't believe we're talking about 2022 already.
1: I know. It's hard to believe. I should give a shout-out to uh, your PR firm, too, uh, Depth PR. Love everyone. Carrie and uh, John, and everyone there is just outstanding. So uh, they're instrumental in getting us together at the conference and here. So grateful, grateful to them as well. For those of you who do not know Nick, let's uh, – get into sharing with the audience uh, a brief introduction about yourself how did you get into the industry and a little bit of your journey here and your career before you started at top of mind
6: yeah it was definitely uh you know it it reminds me a lot of the journeys that i hear from our loan office or customers uh where you know the the roles that we're that we have in this industry we're not firemen we're not you know we're not police officers we're not uh we're not a sports stars so it's always an interesting to see how people get in into this industry into the into the mortgage industry um i was I was actually born in Ukraine. My parents were – my family was so excited that I was going to be an engineer. I became a software engineer. Um, and uh, uh, like, like your co-host, uh, Jack Nunnery, uh, tell, telling us um, uh, about his son, how excited he was when he got into, into cybersecurity. You know, they were relieved, right? They were so relieved yeah. that I took such a safe path. And then um, I, I, I did that for years and, 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 and about six years Later, I, I realized, you know what, I'm really attracted to this, the sales and the marketing part of this mm-hmm. role, less so the engineering. And it took a big career risk and jumped. And I think you're going to hear that a lot from some of the folks in this industry that, yes. you know, they started one place and, and, and made a, a hard a hard turn. Even some folks have been in the industry for 20, 30 years. You know, the origin story is interesting. So um, my in that way, I share a lot with folks that uh, that are that are uh, lenders and, and originators, um, and along the way, I, I you know, as, like I said, I was drawn to sales um, through sales engineering primarily. Um, sold company, uh, sold products for big companies and small companies. Sold you know Microsoft and worked for Visa and most recently, you, as you mentioned, um, now Black Knight. And it's been a really um, it's been a really exciting journey so uh to get to get here though you know I like the idea, I like the background from being able to see technology from a lot of mm-hmm. different angles yeah. and I think that 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 brings a lot in terms of being able to see the mortgage industry and being able to see mortgage tech uh, with three dimensions um having having come from other places.
1: I think it does bring a unique background. And I think I also I applaud you for pursuing your passion because when you find out something you've been educated in and tra- trained in, uh, but then to make a shift, that's, that's a bold risk. And it's one that I think that those that do make that shift and are r- richly rewarded. And uh, because when you, know, when you pursue your passion, I think you pursue your purpose. And when you pursue your purpose, I think you really pursue a bit provision in your life. But uh, let's get on into solving some of the issues that we're having today. What was the need you were solving and for, and did you stay true to your mission? So when you look at the growth of the company and, and, and where you're going, you had an original vision, and then a lot of people struggle when there's a shift. Did you face that? And if so, what adjustments did you make?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is – so, David, first thing, thank, thank you for the introduction. You did uh, uh, marvelous in – in navigating the all the brand names between Black Knight and Surefire and Top of Mind, and and I'll, I'll tell you, so uh, over 18 years of history, um, Top of Mind has served loan officers and lenders in many different ways. So it didn't, you know, it doesn't always start the same way. So the origin story of Top of Mind uh, started with helping loan officers remember to reach out to their borrowers, and that was in the format of of. It sounds quaint, but in the format of uh, postcards and sending print campaigns. So if you can go back 18 years, can you imagine the companies, uh, The company that we're talking to today, purchased by Black Knight, was, was started on um, print campaigns and postcards, and the evolution went to you know, full, a full SaaS solution with, with a CRM component. And the latest incarnation is a mortgage marketing platform. So, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of turns. And so each time you make one of these types of transitions to the market – you have kind of two challenges. One challenge is to convince your customer base that they're still with the right service provider. You know, that you can still meet their needs. So you want to you want to bring your customers along for the ride. And top of my networks with their surefire their series of surefire releases, I, I feel did did a good job carrying them forward. But certainly the mission changed because the the market change in 18 years from per, per, uh, from all that M&A activity I'm sure we're going to talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about specifically in the yeah. technology sector but in the but in the uh, in the IMB lender sector M&A has been so prominent that lenders are growing and as such they're looking for more complex platforms and mm-hmm. you know the challenge I think the challenge changed from how do we serve just loan officers and individuals to how do we serve them and then also have a powerful platform for large lenders uh, with hundreds or thousands of loan officers. Um, And I think, I think that the, the, David, I think the moment when we, we really found the right struck the right balance is when we came up with this concept of making sure that we've got these blueprints for success, which are like best practices Mm -hmm. based on, what type of lender, um, You know, what is your focus, are you retail, consumer direct, wholesale, et cetera, and what size. And once we kind of cracked that code, it became a very scalable problem to solve.
1: Yeah, that's very good. Jack, you understand mergers and acquisitions? Uh, Nick just touched on that. Go to you next.
3: Okay. Uh, Nick, uh, back in July, Black Knight completed its acquisition of Surefire, uh, the industry's most used CRM and marketing automation platform. Why is Surefire a great fit for Black Knight?
6: Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I'll I'll answer it from my perspective. Uh I think I think um as as uh, the 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 organization that that got acquired um and and representing Surefire, I would I would say that there's a there's a couple of obvious reasons if you go look at the press release and you see you know you see the 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 investment into surefire it's clear that it's a strategic investment so what was the strategy is really you know that's the question i try to answer here what's the strategy well in in the origin in in the portfolio of black knight's origination products they have some really strong brand names that they offer um, and and i don 't pretend to represent them or or understand every aspect of it. I remember I came from other industries um, but that is on brand, meaning that bringing in a CRM and mortgage marketing engine that is a brand name in the industry, Surefire has been a brand name for 18 years, um, It makes a lot of sense for a company like Black Knight. They get to bring in something that they know is going to work, that's going to work right away. You know, I mean, imagine, contrast it against their their other options. They could, they could come yeah. in with a product that no one's ever heard of or they could try to build their own. But this is one of the industries where I think that they saw – that history. I mentioned it before. I said um, blueprints for success. Well, you don't really have best practices unless you've been practicing for a while. So it would it would be a while before they could have a, a product to round up their portfolio. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Good. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I think it, the, the Surefire is a good brand, and it has been around, I think, but it's more than that. It's, it's I mean, they, they don't buy just something because it's a good brand. They really It's, it's got to see the integration, is, which is something mm-hmm. Alan is very familiar with. Alan, let's get over to you about... Brady.
4: thank you. And oh, uh,
1: you no, know, we. Alan, I'm sorry, Alice. I oh, got, I got, an, I, I got, yeah, Alice Anna, <laughs> Alan. I may have <laughs> Alan. Go ahead. Sorry about that, Alice.
2: Oh, that's so funny. It's okay.
0: Alice, so, Alan. Awesome. Knight,
2: right? Yeah. So I, I'd love to just ask about integrating. You know, I know um, right now with any acquisition, you've got to integrate to those different products and services. Sometimes existing interfaces may have existed, but any time that you create that close partnership between your products, you always want to enhance. There's usually something to get the market first, and then there's a long-term plan. So would you mind sharing kind of how has the integration been going and and what are you going to be looking forward to uh, as the rest of this year concludes and into next year?
6: Alan, thank you. Thanks for the question. Actually, i got to say, when I thought I was going to have to answer Alice's compliance question first, I thought, "Uh-oh, <laughs> here we go. Now we're in real trouble." Ask, ask the salesperson about a compliance issue, and you can get a lot of different answers, except for the right one. Um, so, <laughs> thank, thank you, Alan, for saving me. Um, it, it, of course, no offense, Alice. I appreciate your approach too, um, <laughs> Alan. So, to, to answer your question, there's there's some pre and post acquisition. Um, integrations, so technology integrations. Uh from a technology standpoint, we were already integrated with another portfolio product, Optimal Blue, Pricing Engine, of course, and then of course Compass um, was already integrated with the Surefire platform. Um, those integrations helped us to know know more about Black Knight and, and, and have already interacted with Black Knight. Um, and if you heard you know there this is, this also goes back to Jack's question. If If you just go off of the integrations that are kind of maybe obvious from a strategic standpoint, yes, we're working very hard to integrate right now with Empower, um, Black Knight's uh, flagship LOS, and we're we're very far down the road with that integration, and we're looking forward to making an announcement very soon. Um, But you may have seen in press release Mm. the integration to uh, Loan Catcher, which is the uh, fully integrated broker product for – from from Black Knight, um, and that includes Surefire, and that got released. So, like, if you if, if you're paying attention again to the to the press release, that was in July, and this integration was released in on September 15th at the NAMM show in Las Vegas. And if you do the math, there, there's a huge you know a huge organization like Black Knight staying nimble. And doing an integration in just a couple of months. I mean, Alan, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure that's an impressive. Ha- having <laughs> been in the industry, that's an impressive timeline. It, can t- it often can take years, and 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 it just shows yeah. how. Um, it just shows how Black Knights let Surefire stay its own brand and identity, and and let us stay nimble while while joining and 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 enhancing the portfolio. And then like, and on that same in that same note, kind of going back to Jack's. Question about why Surefire for the integration, uh, for I'm sorry for the acquisition. We're also seeing a lot of interest on the servicing side. So, you know, and uh, you've, you've heard uh, you've heard in 2020 about obviously the refi boom, but that refi boom also characterizes a major hit to retention for servicers, something to the tune of 18% retention rates, which is unheard of, an, an unbelievable low in 2020 and as services look to figure out how they're going to recover they're going to have to start marketing and surefire yeah. is a great tool to start uh building into a servicing platform and who better than black knight to address that problem
2: that's great it, it sounds like you're going to need a bigger boat <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: to say the least
1: yeah Alice, let's get over to you uh, I, for a non-compliance question. That's so funny. I don't,
0: <laughs> you. I
4: don't do that. Don't come to me.
1: No, it's not a non-compliance. Yeah, go. we
4: wouldn't go that hard. Well, and we use Top of Mind, so, um, you know, we ah. uh, can relate with everything that uh, you're talking about. And we went through our own iterations of how we used it first and then reevaluated everything, and it really escalated how we use it. and I agree with you that there's a there's a place for it in servicing, so um, it's a it's a great product. I wanted to just kind of ask, as Alan kind of alluded to a little bit, but would love to hear you expand on you know what's in it for the year ahead. I love to hear what's on your roadmap.
6: Yeah, thanks, Alice, um, and t- thank you so much for not asking a compliance question. Uh, you can tell I'm sweating it. So <laughs> no the 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 future the future's bright. Um, I think I you know when we're when we're looking at what our customers are asking us to do. I mentioned it a little bit about direct-to-consumer and wholesale, and this has a lot to do with how the market's evolving. We're, they're looking for our, our lender partners are looking for more capability in lead distribution. Um, they're looking for more capabilities in centralized marketing Versus distributed retail, they're looking for more capabilities in the wholesale channel, and we're particularly proud of our broker bridge uh, product that we're that we're releasing, which is r- related to helping wholesalers attract brokers by offering them a, a marketing solution that could be maybe it's com- complex for them as brokers to manage on their own, but um, wholesale lenders are able to manage it on their behalf. Uh, those those are important from a uh, from a customer from a lender type perspective, what we'll be addressing in 2022, but there's this big push for omni-channel marketing. And Mm -hmm. we we've been talking about omni-channel a lot, but it, you know, you have to wait until your lender partners come back to you and start asking you the same questions you've been asking them. And I think 2022 has been the year that we've been hearing it right back, which is to say email, text video. (laughs) Remember those postcards from earlier? Those are back. (laughs) Uh, gifts,
5: really?
6: yeah. um, all these different ways to reach. All of the above. You want to, yeah, you want you want to reach borrowers where they are, and where are they? That they're at home in their pajamas. So how how are we going to go find them there? Uh, let's send them. Let's send them a postcard. And again, it sounds quaint, but the the market has exploded for um, for for sending physical goods and print to uh to borrowers as part of the as part of the marketing program part of an yeah. omni channel marketing program that doesn't yeah. just send emails just sending emails is is very much a a twenty twenty approach yeah
1: it's, a, it's, a, it's such a good point. We start thinking about the central part of the United States and uh there there the postcard still works. We have clients that we we do a lot of advising, our last mortgage company with that i was a partner in was 21 years ago, hard to believe. Uh, we found that the postcard still works in parts of the country, yet the technology, texting works. I mean, texting is off the charts much more responsive, but does it get about the action. I was talking to another owner of a business earlier this morning, 7 o'clock this morning. He woke me up. didn't wake me up, but I was uh, talking to him. It was the first call that came in, and uh, he was talking about the power of text, and it's just it really gets into that. But I'm interested in talking about the refinance.
3: Jack, you were looking at, you were talking about,
1: Looking forward into 2022, let's get over to you with a question.
3: Oh, David, I always keep looking at these origination <laughs> numbers. So, Nick, Nick, in in 2020, refis were about 2.6 trillion dollars in the resi origination market, and I think the forecast for 2021 is about 2.25 trillion. And then when I look out at 2022. Um, you know the current forecast number by the mba uh is 860 billion dollars so from 2.25 <laughs> $2. trillion down to 860 billion uh with that uh forecast uh decline in mind in the in the refi sector what marketing strategies can lenders employ to succeed in 2022?
6: 2020 2022 yeah no i you know, we have
3: Sorry, our, I just there for a second, but I'll I'll just well, attribute
6: that to Oh <laughs> uh, Well, I, we have a it's 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 funny you ask it that way. I, I like I like how you framed it up with the with the forecast. We like to look at it as more of a refi boom recovery. You know, it's, it's, that's our positive spin oh, on like um, on the way that looks. Isn't that a softer landing? Doesn't that feel just make everyone feel better? Um, in in that in that kind of market, what, what we're looking for is what our lenders are asking us about is where, where are leads coming from? How am I going to get the same lead volume that I had in 2010? Well, the answer is you're not. So the leads are going to get more expensive. How are you going to make sure that those leads are being properly utilized? Where's your ROI going to come from? So however you source leads in this market – that price is going to go up. If it's advertising, it'll go up. If it's um, if it's purchase if it's a direct lead purchase, that's going to go up. If it's direct mail, those prices are going up. Um, and what we're seeing is those lenders that are applying more sophisticated prospecting strategies are are winning more often. So if we we polled and we we measured our customers in 2020, uh, so I, I dialed it back to February 2020. So we're going back to sort of Pre-pandemic, um, pre-boom, and what we were seeing is, unsurprisingly, those that were using prospecting campaigns, automated prospecting campaigns, were doing about twice as well from a uh, from a closed loan volume standpoint as those that were not. Those that were relying primarily on relationships and um, outbound outbound communication only, or in, inbound leads only, only and 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 um, responding directly to leads. Uh, through direct non-automated measures so what's happened in that last year or so if you look at q2 q3 this year instead of being twice as uh, high performing those that are using automated campaigns are three and a half times as high performing meaning that they're uh, they're originating three and a half times as many loans as those that are aren't using automated systems. So what's the answer? What's the marketing strategy? <laughs> Implement an automated prospecting strategy. You, you have to. And we talked about omnichannel before. It can't just be send an email, get a lead, send an email. That's, that's pretty passe. That's not going to be nearly as effective. You have to have a humanized approach in 2022. And humanized means you know, means different things to, to different uh Different parts of the borrower base, but they're expecting to get text messages. You know, they're going to open those up 97% of the time versus 18% for email. Um, they're expecting to see videos. They don't just want to see videos, um, uh, uh, pre- you know, pre-recorded videos that are highly produced advertisements. They want educational. They're, they're used to consuming That's content through YouTube. They okay. want you, to, yeah, they want you to send them. They want you to send them a video of yourself, too. They want to see you. Who, who am I going to do business with? I can't, from a retail perspective, I can't walk into a branch. Those, those All my retail experiences have been um, curtailed. So you're going to have to send that retail experience to me. Um, and, and that means enabling, part of, those, part of these marketing strategies are to enable loan officers to put their own personality, put their own personal brand into these centralized communications from large IMBs. So you can see who you're dealing with. You can see the face. It's like when I go to uh, David's website here, I see him looking back at me. I got, feel like i got a connection, right? So you've right. got to have that same type of connectivity with your, with your uh, loan officer.
3: I, you know, Nick, I think that's such a great point because, you know, those of us who've been in the mortgage banking sector for a while, you know, We we just kinda, you know, grew up in this industry believing that mortgage banking was a referral based business. And 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 there's a paradigm shift happening now with the electronic marketing that really challenges that old school thought. And and I agree with you. You're 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 either going to embrace the e marketing concept and all the power it brings, or or you're gonna get left behind over the next three, three years.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, I guess there's a third option, which is to buy a blimp and put your name on the side <laughs> of it, but not every lender, not every lender can do that. So, <laughs> uh, and I, I think we know who we're talking about there. So yeah, that's you're, you you hit it spot on. Yeah. so good. Which
1: really gets into the whole communication strategies. You know, we're watching the world get more and more virtual. And I think that trend, I mean, we're going to see where that trend goes. But it, right now, it seems all the indications are going to be more and more virtual. And I think that – I'm of the opinion that will stay. But how can lenders uh, uh, warm their relationships up with their borrowers in a more virtual world and all the way around? What's your thoughts, strategies? Well,
6: you know, you know I, think, I think we're going to have to embrace technology in order to do that. And so, you know, some of these examples are – are to think about how how the borrower experience is changing in a digital in a digital world in a in a post pandemic or or in pandemic depending on on your uh the way you look at it um then there's there's a few strategies Uh, some specific ones for example are to look at what you're doing to communicate with borrowers while they're in process for example how do how do i improve their experience what do i do there um, having educational and engaging content is critical and it's and it's measured to uh, affect your net promoter score, your referrals and you got to think about what content they're getting. are they getting a checklist to show how they're going through uh, mm-hmm. the loan manufacturing process or are they getting an engaging piece of content with with video and information and warnings and and help and and is it informative so that's critical um, and, and and then when they're when they're actually prospects. And when you're working with your agent partners, for example, you need to be putting out platforms that allow you and your agent and the borrower to work together and see the property, ha- help them buy the property, help them finance the property. And then even, uh, even as a lender, you even have the opportunity to influence the open house process by projecting single property site views right into the, right into the check-in table. But it's different now. You know, that, that borrower, that buyer, they're walking, into the, um, they're walking into that showing by themselves. A lot of times the agent can't even be there in certain, in certain scenarios right. because they can't yeah. walk the house with them. So right. you as a lender can actually provide an interactive experience right there on an iPad as they walk in on the, on the side table um, in a way that maybe a couple of years ago wasn't as high of a priority. Yeah, that's a great idea.
1: It opens up all kinds of possibilities. I can't believe we're out of time. Things goes in fact a little over time. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for being here. How can people reach you and connect with you if they have direct questions? We got a lot of them that came in from listeners today. Uh, sorry, listeners, I didn't get to them. I just noticed them. Also, thank you for your questions. Uh, but some of the if people just want to reach out to you, how can they do so?
6: Oh, great. So of course you can find me on on if you can find me personally on LinkedIn, uh, Nick right. Balenky. But then you can find us at top dot com. Uh, for to answer all your questions about surefire. Yeah,
1: yeah I appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you so much again to Depth PR for uh, connecting us. I'm really looking forward to watching your continued success now that you're inside of the Black Knight family, and uh, wish you all very, very well. I'm a big fan of Shelly Leonard and the vision that she has. Um, you know, and it, and it's many. People like that. It's a culture where they're really growing through an intelligent uh, acquisition strategy. And so glad you're part of them. Great company. I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you, Nick. Appreciate it.
6: Thank you, David. Thanks for having me on.
1: You bet. Appreciate it. Folks, that wraps up this week's podcast. Next week, we got Pete Paglia coming on of HomeBiter. I was really interested. I met Pete at that conference, and I invited him to come on the podcast because I'm looking at ways we can create stickiness. We want to help. How can you... Letter. I Maybe mean, you said think about repeat business. It's pathetic. The mortgage industry is pathetic of all the industries out there. I don't know if we're the worst, but we've got to be near the bottom of the, the whole market and drawing people to stay with us. And a way to do that is up through a home buyer product, Home Binder. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that. Again, this, we're focusing a little bit on this part of the year on. Forward-looking strategies that you can employ in 2022. So, be sure to come back next week for the hot topics segment. For the rest of the program, all of that information we'll be doing, but also in the hot topics segment, we'll be having Pete Paglia coming on with homebuyers to talk about that. Special thank you to our sponsors: Finastra, CMLA, Lenders One, accelerate Mobility MMI, MORG, Modex, M- 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 the MBA, Knowledge Coop. A mortgage Collaborative and SnapDoc so glad to have all of you as sponsors thank you and thank you listeners for being here sharing this podcast with others and uh, get, reach, a hold, reach out and get a hold of Nick you'll enjoy uh, the conversation and also getting insights into the bigger vision there we didn't get a chance to get into all that we could have but I think you can he will open up with you when you get calling him directly so good to have you with us everyone have a great week look forward to having you back here next week <laughs>